Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Um, it's a wonderful day here in the neighborhood, and it really is a, a day from my old neighborhood. Our guest today is Bonnie Lester. Now, Bonnie had another name when I knew her in high school, but <laughs> we're going by Bonnie Lester today. Now, let me tell you something. Bonnie, first of all, thank you for being here. And I, once I just tell them one or two little things about you, I just want you to tell them your story. But here's why, what I'm setting up. Bonnie and I both went to the very prestigious San Rafael High School <laughs> in San Rafael, California. I mean, you know, it's where everyone wanted to go. Bonnie was a year below me. So when I was a senior, she was a junior, but I knew Bonnie and we had many there's still, because it's a small town, many mutual friends, Shelly right. in Hawaii, Rob Lee. Right. I mean, you right. know, right. Right. we're right. talking old San Rafael. Right. Well, so Bonnie and I reconnected on Facebook, again, the joys of social media. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, I had posted a picture of myself um, getting ready for the LADOM to speak for a LADOM virtual conference. And Bonnie saw my demure <laughs> and apparently whipped together which you can see in the picture that's going to be on the our our site and on the facebook page she sent me these gorgeous gorgeous i call them flintstone pearls because yeah, they're exactly yeah. like the pearls that wilma wore and <laughs> they're gray and magnificent they're baroque pearls and so i opened the box and i thought what <laughs> lucky day for me yeah. and then Bonnie enclosed a note and she had said to me uh, Denise your jewelry was just too demure when I was wearing it and I thought well I told her I was trying to be demure and Cindy knows that doesn't happen very often Bonnie <laughs> but anyway I can't thank you enough for the pearls I've worn them every day since you sent them to me so when I when then when I told her that Bonnie when you told me the reason you started making jewelry that's what i wanted you to be on the podcast because this is a story of a woman that turned that got got sent lemons and made lemon <laughs> yes 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 so please t start a little bit tell me this what you right. been doing for the last 50 years <laughs> well for 50 years almost 51 now uh well i did graduate from sanderville high school in 1970 and 1970 was a pivotal year in my life because I'm sure women of a certain age remember the book and it's called Our Bodies Ourselves. Do you remember yes. that book? That book gave me the incentive to go get a degree in public health and community education. And so I went and got an undergraduate degree in that field. And then I knew one day I'd go on and become a social worker. So I ended up moving back east to go to graduate school and I worked in uh, human reproductive services. I became a social worker along the way. And then I surprisingly had my first son. My husband and I were both graduate students and we both graduated and then we had our surprise son. And uh, we had gotten married early. And at that point, you know, our lives were kind of separating. So we came back to California and got divorced. And he's one of my best friends. He's one of my best cheerleaders. So he's ex-husband number one. And um, I happily met another gentleman and got remarried. And at that time, when I came back to California, uh, I think it was Reagan was in or it was a Republican administration. So the money dried up for community health. So I pivoted and became a, a computer programmer of all things. 
because you know that was going to be where all the new money and jobs were that's right 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 so i was into that field for uh about two years and i was driving home in larksburg california at the base of mount tam and there was a young college student who had been up mount tam getting stoned and drunk drove down and plowed right into me in in uh, larksburg and he totally radically changed my life at that time uh, I got severe whiplash. He was driving his dad's big BMW. I had a little Japanese car. So that just really destroyed my body. And I had been married two years at that point in time to a hospitality industry executive. So it was, you know what life, we, we got to travel, oh, we got yeah. to wine and dine and, you know, go to Europe and stay in the finest hotels. And it was, it was really lovely. But I developed a condition called complex regional pain syndrome. And it's a neurological based disease, and it tells you your body's on fire all the time. Say and the name, you, what, Bonnie, say the name yeah. one more time. Okay, complex regional pain syndrome. It's known as CRPS. That's okay. the, the title. And Thank so the, the thing is, there's no cure for it. And the way it feels is if you've ever had a sciatic problem, the burning down your leg, I had it from my neck all the way down to my toes. I lost uh, the use of my dominant hand, and it was miserable. And my doctor, who diagnosed it finally, it took months and months to, di to diagnose it, and he said, Bonnie, there's no cure for this, and you're going to have to have courage to live with it. And I went and looked in a textbook, medical textbook at the time. We, we couldn't Google back then. They didn't have Google. Remember, you, now you go on That's line right. and you find, you know. So I found the old textbook, and it said, patients that have this will either commit suicide or have to be institutionalized. So at the time I was 34 years old, like my son was in second grade and I had to live, you know? So I spent the next years using my, my educational background of health and social work to understand how to live emotionally and to practice all those things of meditation, progressive relaxation, all those things that in my strange, you know, educational background, which was pretty uh, out there at the time, now it's established protocol that they do things like that. But coming from Marin, you know, the body-mind, and yeah. that opened me up to know how to use those things. So that's what kept me going. That happened in 86. And um, we ended up moving with my, my husband and I were moving, and my son, we moved across country at different places. And I was always trying to find a way to get better and met new doctors. Nobody had any cure, of course. But they always were amazed that I was surviving. And oh God. Anyway, so one book, I want to tell you about this book. I got this book. And we were living in Reno at the time, and it was in some little hippie bookshop, and it was called The Mind's Eye. And it was the most amazing book because it talked about how to use art and how to go beyond your suffering and embrace the world around you using music and it just, you know, beauty. You know, it was wonderful. So I carried that book all the way across country. I came back and into my marriage, you know, I was in the accident in 1986. By about 1997, 98, I could see that my husband wanted to travel a lot and I was dying. You know, I wore this thing called a TENS unit. It's an electronic device with wires and electrodes and you stick it on your body and that's my pain management. So it's basically, it distracts you. It's like as if you stubbed your toe and it hurt, but then someone punched you in the nose so you don't notice your toe. So that's, that's when people ask me, how does it work? That's how it works. So... That's where I was. I I'm sorry to laugh. <laughs> well, they have to laugh. Humor is the best medicine. Yes. So, yes. so thank goodness before we left California to do all our, uh, you know, moving around for his career, 
we kept our California house, our Marin County house. So I could come, you know, you understand the price of houses. So yes. we were very, we rented it out all those years. We came back into the same house, thank goodness. And um, surprisingly, right when we came back, I saw in the local newspaper, the IJ, the Independent Journal, that this doctor who wrote the book was going to be at a workshop. And I was so thrilled with this doctor. I, I wanted to go to the the workshop and just find out who he was and, and tell him how he saved my life just using his book. What I didn't know was the workshop was the very first introduction to a brand new seminary. And that was called the Chaplaincy Institute. And it was to introduce the concept of the art, expressive arts in healing, and also offered ordination as an interfaith minister. And at first I saw that, I'm a nice Jewish girl, first of all, let me get it out there. You know, looking at me, everybody knows, I look, this is a nice Jewish girl. And so, yes, I'm a Jewish girl. I wear it all over my face and my curly black hair. Beautiful, so I, beautiful <laughs> face and hair. Yeah, you know, an Ashkenaz Jew, that's who I am down to my, you know, in my whatever. So I took the material home. I, I talked to the doctor. I said, your book is great. It really helped me, la, la, la. And I took the brochure home and I put it on my bedside. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I thought, oh, my God. The description of what a chaplain does is who I am. And so I signed up for this seminary. Now, you have to understand, I was still in agony. My pain was still horrible. And I went to classes sitting on one of those big exercise balls. You know, you've seen people position their body to sit on them. It's really good. It's very good. So I brought one of those. I wore my TENS unit up and down my body. Everyone would go to lunch. I couldn't go to lunch. I'd have to go rest because I couldn't you know, participate. I couldn't even hold a pen to write my assignments. It was so difficult. And I do speak fast. And at the time, we kept buying all these speech recognition for the computer. And, you know, I would talk into it. And it was all this bizarre and profanity would come out, even if I didn't use it, you know. So it was, it was a real struggle, but I made it through. And what was amazing was by that time, my marriage fizzled. You know, I was on a spiritual path. I couldn't travel. My soon to be ex-husband, you know, he's originally from Austria and he loves to travel. And we really respect him. He's one of my biggest cheerleaders now. He uh, and I went our separate ways. To have had an accident like that, to have lived for 11 and 12 years in pain, that kind of, to put a marriage under that kind of stress, right. besides just right. the normal changes. Right, right, right. So you know what? How lovely that you're, you've, Managed to keep both your ex-husbands friends. Well, the story this gets better. Impressive. <laughs> the story gets better. I have something really great that you'll be interested okay. in. Okay. My, my second ex-husband got remarried. Then he retired later on. He and his wife moved to France, bought a 300-year-old house, and they've been rehabbing it for the past 17 months. And COVID came in, in the middle of it. And they neither of them spoke French, but they knew this was what they wanted to do. So his wife has been blogging about it. It's hysterical, you know, working with the ethics of when they come to work and when they decide not to go to work. Oh, yeah. It's different, you know. So that that was the little interesting thing on the side. So I had two lovely ex-husbands, and I met my third wonderful husband, who I've been with for 21 years now. Yes, hey, three huh? men. Now, let me tell you what I say about you. And What's this that? is what I say to young women. Bonnie can close. I can <laughs> Definitely. Because when young women say to me, I can't get, I haven't been married or he didn't, I go, honey, in sales, I don't care if you're a girl, female, old, young, whatever, yeah. you have to know how to close. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Well, one of my strengths as a chaplain is I can chat 
with anybody and a lot of men, no matter what age. And I, they're beguiled by my discussion. So it's been a real strength in, in chatting. I'm not saying that's how you get a husband, but I, I do get along with men very well. Well, it doesn't hurt. So, and I know, I know, that's an ad. So, so I have a feminist, I had a feminist mother though, let me tell you. So, you know, from my, hopefully she didn't hear what I just said. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. So I, I got remarried, and as soon as I got remarried, I was recruited to become a police chaplain, which was, oh, this is wonderful. You know, I'm a police chaplain. I'm in a new marriage. And I was percolating along doing police chaplaincy, you know, very high stress. I was in a pain in between call outs. I would come home and be in agony. And I was especially working with kids who were traumatized. You know, they see violence, violence. And even though I lived in a community, I wasn't doing inner city police chaplaincy. But I, we were hit by many things out in the national news. One of our uh, residents was on the plane that went down in Pennsylvania. So we were called out to his wife. I mean, you know, so in our own little world, we have been impacted by what the rest of the world's been impacted. So that was very interesting. Um, so I was percolating as a police chaplain, and I got notified by my doctor, and he said, Bonnie, you know, the AMA now says we can treat your condition with opiates. You know, come on in and be evaluated because now we know you can do that. We can do that. We want to get you on some really good medication if you want, and I'll get rid of your pain. The only thing is you have to stop being a police chaplain because that's a very stressful job. And I, so I went in to, at least to be assessed. And they make you go through all this evaluation for pain management classes and everything. And when I, they did the assessment, they said, okay, Bonnie, we don't want you to come to the classes because you've achieved much more than most of our patients will ever be able to achieve, even though you have a horrible condition. But here's your two fentanyl patches and your opiates. So I was on amazing amount of medicine, and I thought for sure, oh, my life's going to change. The pain's gone. Well, the, my condition not only is pain, but it's neurologically based, so it, there's deficits in your body and all sorts of other things. And the other thing we haven't talked about, Denise, is that, sure, I had a chronic illness, but I'm also a woman. So my body was aging. Yes. So, you know, and, and people with, you know, lupus and, and arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, you're getting treated for that, but you're also, you're a woman. I mean, you can be a man and have those things, but as a woman, we go through the wonderful menopause. Yes. So you got all of that going on. So we have our I, own private ball of wax. That's <laughs> right. That's right. You know, and, and, it, it pisses me off because early on in life, 13, 14, we're sold, remember, in our generation, mm -hmm just stepped through the looking glass. We were sold this kind of pink and rosy oh. existence. And the first time I got my period, I thought there's nothing pretty about this. Oh. <laughs> I knew it was oh. a shit. It was just a big shit. But as oh. the same thing, Bonnie, only now, really only now, I remember first starting to look into information about menopause in my early fifties. There was one book out in the library. I, right, 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 yeah. Right, women, we have a whole set of issues. That's right. Besides, That's right. you know, That's right. besides aging and then on top of it, compounding it with disease. Well, one, one thing in, in talking about this, I realized I, I forgot to bring in when I was a police chaplain, I was making a lot of very interesting artistic things for the kids uh, to meditate over, or if they're going to visit a uh, relative in a rest home, it would be really scary and the smells were horrible. I'd make special decorations for the room. and and have them weave stories. So I was, I was using my hands that way. And suddenly I heard my best childhood friend who went to uh, St. Raphael's, Mary, she had breast cancer. And I hadn't talked to her in years. 
So my, my heart wanted to go out to her. So I went to a bead shop and I bought some little pearls to make her bracelet. Now my fingers barely worked and I made her a beautiful bracelet, but it took like five hours because it kept falling apart because my hands barely worked. And so I made it and I, and I sent it off and I actually got to go and be her chaplain when she had surgery and she actually survived a really good 12 more years and, and unfortunately she passed. Um, but that was, it was Mary who got me going making jewelry because I had some beads left over. And I thought, well, I have some beads left over. What should I do? So I started making things and I made more things and I wore them and people wanted to buy them, you know, and I was like having trunk sales and I was selling, you know, thousand dollars. You know, I was like, this grew out while I was still being a police chaplain. And I thought when I got on the opiates and I stopped being a police chaplain, I started doing some community chaplaincy and I also taught at the cemetery seminary. And I, I did actually go to the cemetery to officiate at funerals too. I did that. And I thought I'll be doing all this jewelry. But you know what happened when I got on the opiate? I lost all my creativity. And I kept thinking, I'm lazy. Why don't I, I had trays and trays of gorgeous stones and pearls. And I thought, oh, I'll do this. They sat until I finally got off the opiates, which I'll tell you that. So that's where I started the jewelry. It all came out because Mary, I wanted Mary to have a beautiful little bracelet to think of me and to meditate over. And so anyway, um, I'm tearing up. Okay. So that's how I started making my jewelry. And one thing I noticed when I started having the trunk sales early on was women would come in with their shoulders drooping over and looking really kind of down. They'd start trying on the different necklaces and they'd stand up straight and they'd wave their hair around. And I thought, well, this is a powerful, real powerful affirmation of who they are as women. And the ones that the necklaces they chose were amazing, you know? So it was really, I was very excited about it. So I was really disappointed when I suddenly wasn't making jewelry. I was like, why can't I? And I, I didn't, I thought I was being lazy because I, I still was doing a lot of chaplaincy, you know, research. I was actually, don't tell anyone, I was ghostwriting eulogies for people and things like that, you know, so I, was, I, kept, I kept my hat in the arena. Anyway, uh, it turns out the big pivotal day of my life, which changed everything, was um, May 2010. I, I accompanied a neighbor who was hysterical, her husband, and her had made love in the morning, and suddenly her husband didn't know where he was. And oh. so she ran to me and said, is he having a stroke? So we, we got some aspirin down him and I drove them up to the emergency room. And I waved down the doctor. I said, you know, something's going on with this guy. And yeah. So he took, him, he took him in early, early. And he started assessing and he started, the doctor said, I don't think this is stroke. I think this is something else. So they took the guy down for an MRI. By the time he came back from an MRI, his memory came back. It turned out he had something called transient global amnesia which is a really unusual condition where your brain kind of has a blip and then it reboots itself and i had never heard about it and the doctor was talking to me and he had known me from being a chaplain and we were kind of you know and he said well you know you you know it's really interesting about neuroplasticity bonnie you should check that out it's real interesting so i went home that night and i went on youtube and i looked at a ted pro you know the ted talk you, have you looked at ted talk and i found i found one on neuroplasticity and the way it was described, I thought, I can change my condition somehow. This is going to improve my life. And the next day, I went on to a program that I designed for myself. And I, I did all this uh, stimulation. I slept on these really strong mint you know, tablets. I borrowed my neighbor's dog to go for dog walks because I had to get exercise. And I wouldn't let my brain go, I'm in pain, I'm burning, I want to go lie down. Instead, I said, oh, this mint, it's so tart, it's so sharp. And I just kept giving a dialogue. 
And I did that throughout my whole body, finding all these stimulations that I would not allow my brain to say, oh, I'm in pain, I'm dying. And I pushed it, and it became a 24-7. I did that. Within 24 months, I stopped using my cane, which I, I forgot to mention I was walking with. I started feeling some of the burning was going away. But my 36 months, that's three years, so that sounds like a long time, I suddenly didn't have any burning pain, which oh was incredible. Well I, well, I know. So this was in 20, well, 2014. By 2014, I was thinking, okay, I may be getting better. I knew, it, you know, there's no cure per se, but my body was learning how not to drive me crazy. So right about that time, if you recall, there was all this scandal about Oxycontin in the newspaper. Yes. People were passing out and dying, op opiate ODs. Some of my pain threat, people who were taking pain medications, two of them died. And, and it wasn't that they really were abusing the drug, but maybe they were, you know, you know what, they call it pain somnia when you can't go to sleep because you're in so much pain. It's very common, pain somnia. So what happened was oftentimes someone will think, I only take four a day, but it's the middle of the night, so it's really tomorrow, so I'll take another one now. And then, it, I mean, it's so easy to get seduced into not abusing it, but you do, and then you die. And yeah. so I knew that I knew that was going on, and I knew, you know, I was on very restricted medication and huge doses of it. So I talked to my doctor, and I said, you know, maybe because I cut down a lot of my pain, why don't I see how much little I could, you know, reduce it? And she said, well, that'd be great. So I set up my own detox program. I did it too fast, by the way. I would not endorse it for anyone else, but I, I survived it barely. So in the middle of it, I, my body was going crazy. And I said to my husband, my poor husband, please go. Out. I need some mineral for the bath because I need to soak. go to Home Depot. And I meant to say Whole Foods, but the poor guy goes to Home Depot. He's looking up and down the aisles. He knew, knew I was desperate going through detox. And all I wanted to do was soak in the bathtub, you know. And he finally looked on his phone, and I guess they have it in storage someplace, but he didn't get it. And, and then he finally figured out, maybe I should go to Whole Foods. <laughs> so he came back. So I, I got off of, I, you know, I was going to taper down a little bit, but I was, it was, I was having such a positive effect on my body. I got off of everything from that. By the time I got off all the drugs, I was off of five different pain medications. Oh my God. Which was, my, my doctor could not believe it. I'm like her star patient, you know. So once I got off all the drugs, it took me months to get energy, though, because your body has been bombarded by all these chemicals. And plus, I was taking, you know, for pain management, they give you a lot of antidepressant medication for the brain, you know, for the neuro, the transmitter. So my body had to be weaned off. And I got, I was, I'm off of everything related to that condition. And suddenly, I decided this is in the middle of, I got my consciousness right at the 2016 election. And, oh, my God. And so, of course, you know what happened? Trump was elected. and Right about that time, I got, you know, I said, I want to learn about social media. I want to get on Facebook. And more than anything, I want to connect with the women I went to high school with because we were suffering back then, trying to get information about our bodies and everything. And I used to do peer counseling. I used to tell them where they could get available uh, protection if yeah. they were experiencing, you know, I, I had the hotline. I knew where to go if you're under 18 back in the day. Yes. So, so I was a good resource for everybody. So anyway, I connected with all my friends from there and they've become we're all so close now and especially going through the pandemic now i i'm a cheerleader for everybody i do a chronicle every night on instagram a 300 word essay every night on instagram i'm on day 217th i think of the of sheltering in place so i'm trying to keep people's spirits up giving them tips about how to lift their moods and 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 just backstories of all the jewelry i make for other people going through difficult times and coming out the other end you know 
So I spent a lot of time being a cheerleader. And so, you know, and I never, okay, I, I got on Instagram because my neighbor, after I got on Facebook, my neighbor had two college kids and they liked my jewelry. And they said, Bonnie, you got to go on this thing called Instagram. And I'm like, I don't know what Instagram is. So I, I, I posted one picture on Instagram and it was my tomatoes. And suddenly I saw this little Asian face come up with a weird name on it and he liked it. And I'm like, I told my husband, oh my God, someone out over there in China loves my stuff. And he looked at it and it was my stepson who's half Filipino. I didn't know that picture of his. And it was like, it's a funny story. Because I thought, I, you know, I've heard this thing about, oh, you go viral. I didn't, all this terminology. I was not involved at all with that back then. But it was so funny. So anyway, my, my neighbor's kid said, put your jewelry on Instagram. So I did. And I started putting backstories about it. And people loved it. And then suddenly I realized there's groups of health and diseases on Instagram. So I immediately connected with everybody with CRPS. And now I'm connected internationally. And I always take time to individually when they write to me. I talk to the young ones because if you can get this condition, if you've been diagnosed, they could really turn it around at that point. It, time is really of essence if you're not going to suffer. So I always make a point to communicate with them. Bonnie, and, it's amazing. <laughs> you cured yourself. Well, I don't use the word cure because, okay, but, you know, uh, yeah. But you, okay, you decided to take charge. Right, and right. A, a obviously, you studied and different things, but really, you know, I'm a firm believer that it, everything is about your attitude. Do you oh, know what I mean? Definitely. Attitude. When I go into a cancer patient and the family, attitude is everything. And, 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 and I do have to say, and I, I was talking to someone last night, you know, some people say you have to be angry to survive and you have to be, no, you don't have to be angry. You just have to understand what's important to you and how you're going to get through the days. That's right. You know? And the same thing, go ahead. You were going to say something. No, no, I know this. If, and this has just been, I was raised by a very happy woman. Do you know what I mean? My mother lucky. was one of those and it made a huge difference. But I know this, Bonnie, the, the more I, the longer I've lived. When you get up in the morning, as, and as we age and all the things we're talking about, and we're in a pandemic, and we're um, in, I feel like women, as we were just starting, I mean, can, just starting to get somewhere, um, it looks like, you know, it, it's just frightening what's happening to me politically right now. It's terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. Oh. But I know this, if I get up in the morning, I get to have a, a cup of tea, and I always count my blessings first thing in the morning. I'm one of those. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I know this, what you're, what you just said is all about attitude. That's Do you right. know what I mean? That's I mean, right. how you, your attitude to separate from your second husband because he had other things to do. Your attitude about <laughs> getting well and educating yourself and getting off drugs. I mean, this is all about attitude. That's right. That's right. But it's also, I want it to, for listeners to, to understand, you know, if you know about neurotransmitters, how we can make ourselves feel better. You know? Yes. And, and, you know, when you, you, I sent you that necklace, you received it a day earlier than I thought, and you immediately thanked me. And I was like, I had my release of oxytocin. And it was like, oh, that's great. It was a you know, surprise. I got it a day early. But it's just, you know, reaching out and, you know, now in COVID, you can't touch hands and hug. But there's right. so many things. And I do post about that, about what you can do to, to make sure you're feeling better. You know, it's not just people yes. know about serotonin. Most people know about serotonin. You know, you exercise high. But there's other kind of chemicals. By just doing certain activities, we can feel better, no matter what kind of health problems or depression we have. There's ways now, to feel better. 
How can people follow you on Instagram? Give us oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's very simple. Bon Bon Lester. B-O-N-B-O-N Lester. Okay. And that's all you have to look at. And, okay. You know, and I have a huge following on there. And then um, I'm public on Facebook. I do all right. my stuff. And I go on your Facebook so I can do political because I very rarely do political online. I understand. Because, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. that's why I love yours. <laughs> Well, you know what? Here's the thing with me. I cannot thank you enough for being on today. You'll have to come back and tell us some more. And of course, what I'm really thinking is, you know, this is a book. Well, the story well, of people, you killing yourself is a book. Yeah, I know. Well, people say, keep saying, why don't you do it? And I say right now, people give me feedback every day. Every I get special I notes. And I am enjoying that. So it's, I'm pivoting right now during the pandemic and doing yeah. the best I can. All right. But there will be. Because yeah. it's, it's, I, I'm telling you. Well, Cindy is, yeah. Cindy's bringing out the hook. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> with the timing. I cannot thank you enough, Bonnie. If you have questions, it's womenbeyond at icloud.com. And for any of us, and Bonnie, again, I cannot thank you enough for the pearls. And I thank oh. you so much for today because it's, and you just said it, but reaching out during this difficult time and hearing other people's success and, you know, success never comes without some pain in my life. I mean, I'm, that's how I know. But honey, thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Well, it was great seeing you and wonderful meeting you, Cindy. And so, we'll see you again. Definitely. We'll see you again, Bon Bon Lester. All right. Okay. You take care of me. Bye. Okay. Thank bye, you. Bye. And be well. Be well. You be well.